Bob Sewell. I'm a lawyer. In fact, I'm a partner at the law firm of Davis Miles McGuire Gardner. I started this podcast because my clients always ask me, is that even legal? I want to discuss on this podcast how the law affects us and changes our daily lives. I hope you enjoy the show. I hope it is meaningful to you and I hope you learn from it. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the podcast. Today's guest, Elliot Barella. Elliot is a friend of mine. He's an attorney at Davis Miles McGuire Gardner. Elliot, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it, Bob. Now, I want to talk about something that people really don't talk about a lot. It's, it's the seedy underworld that people don't know about. Mm-hmm. There's these people out there. They're soothsayers. They're fortune tellers. They're witch doctors. They're, they, they're going out there and they're doing the voodoo. They're reading the tea leaves. Mm-hmm. They're, they're peering into that crystal ball to try to figure out what's going to happen in the future. And that seedy underworld is the underworld of tax. That's that's my home. Yep, that's see the <laughs> yeah, underworld. Right. That's right. That's you right. You are a tax guy. You're a t- you're an attorney. Mm-hmm. You have a doctorate in jurisprudence. That's correct. You have a master's in accounting. That's correct. You are a tax guy. Mm-hmm. And you're out there. You're part of the good guys, right? Yeah, I like to, to think so. I like <laughs> to think so. <laughs> you're part of the good guys, but you're out there, and you have to figure out. What's potentially coming down the pike? Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's very. Why are you doing that? Yeah, it's so it's very important. Um, one, you you want to know what's going to impact your your dollars going in the business and dollars going out of the business at the end of the day. So somebody who knows what's going to happen in the future is one much better prepared for it, and two, when it happens, they're ready for that change. So it, you know, taxpayers. Generally, they, they want to know what's going to happen before it happens, one, so they can plan accordingly and take advantage of the current laws if they need to do so. Biden has this Build Back Better plan, right? That's that's right. That's and right. a portion of that is the tax component, right? That's right. Okay. Yeah, that's right. A major component. So this is pretty big stuff that's going to be coming down the pike. Yeah, yeah. And so the the I think I think... In general, it it would in, impact every single American in one way, shape, or form or another. Why do you say that? Uh, one, because it's going to help the it help. I, I say that in quotations. The folks on the bottom end of the economic ladder, uh, and then it's going to impose more tax on the folks who are on the top end of the economic ladder, and then everybody in between is going to have some kind of impact. So here's just some 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 I guess some some facts from the uh, the. What's the the Tax Foundation? Now, the Tax Foundation, right? This is a group. They're not known for being super conservative or super liberal. They're just a boring group of think tanks. That's right. Right. So not nonprofit. They basically uh, provide uh, context analysis to the policy, the the, what's going to happen in the economy. Uh, what's going to happen in industry as a result of certain tax proposals. So they came out with uh, a, a summary of the, of the bill and the, the economic and uh, uh, potential consequences to business industry. So uh, just some, some rough numbers here. So it would raise uh, about $648 billion in taxes over the next 10 years. So the downside, the flip side of that is – it's going to reduce economic output by 0.4% over the next 10 years. It will 
uh, it will reduce uh, the average after-tax incomes for the top 80% of taxpayers over the long run. And uh, it would eliminate 107,000 U- U.S. jobs. So, okay. oh, so there's, there's, some, there's some downsides that... to this. There's some <laughs> downsides to this. Uh, well, and and just, just to be clear, this is still draft legislation. This is something that the, that the House has passed. So uh, the, the Senate still has to enact and do something with it. So, But when the Tax Foundation says that, th- that the new tax plan, if enacted in full, mm-hmm. would reduce the gross domestic, gross domestic product. When they say that, are they saying reduce it from their former projections or are they saying reduce it from where we're at today? Reduce it for where we're at today. So, and, and so we would have negative gross domestic product if everything came through and and all the wish list was put through. That's what that's, they. That's saying. correct. That's correct. And one of the big reasons why, and, and kind of getting into the nitty gritty of the proposals now, one of the leading reasons why that that would be a, a net uh, reduction in GDP is an imposition of a minimum tax on the largest corporations in the United States. Okay. And that's leading to the bulk. Of of why the the economic uh, re- reduction in value in the United States is occurring. All right. So what is the voodoo mm-hmm. saying? What, what are the tea leaves reading? Sure. I mean, so we, you've established, you got my attention. We mm-hmm. now know that this is serious. We should think about this. Right. Right. So what are the what's the voodoo on capital gains? Yeah. So uh, there's been a lot of talk about uh, taxing capital gains at ordinary income tax rates. That seems to have been done away with. What they're doing is is kind of uh, uh, imposing some new taxes uh, to to make up for that, uh, uh, I, I guess, change in direction of the policy. So what they're proposing is a uh, let me get my notes out here um, uh, a uh, surtax on modified adjusted gross income. And that's defined as adjusted gross income, uh, uh, less investment interest expenses. And then uh, it's going to be equal to 5% of modified adjusted gross in- income in excess of $10 million and 3% on modified adjusted gross income in excess of $25 million. So it, uh, potentially so, an t- uh, increase in tax rate for, for folks with $25 million of, of 8%. Okay. So that could be substantial. That could definitely be substantial. And that's $25 million of income? That's $25 million of income. So, so it, they're going to amass everything together. It doesn't matter what kind of income it is, whether that's capital gains income, ordinary income, whatever income it may be, you're going to just put it into one bucket together. And the reason why that's important is, and this is one of the things that people complain about, is that mm-hmm. capital gains is set at 15%, but ordinary income... That goes up and down based on your income. And what's the highest rate right now? Uh, 37%. So 37 something. I could be a multi, you know, billionaire with with, uh, bringing in millions and millions and millions of dollars of income a year. And I'm only hitting that 15%. Right, right. All right. So what are the tea leaves then about the corporate tax rate. You began to mention that. I've got you sidetracked. Yeah, Tell me about yeah. That. So, so I think, uh, uh, you know, in the news quite often, you'll hear about Amazon, Apple, Google paying very little in taxes. Uh, 
and, and the reason being is, is not because of anything nefarious or illegal that they're doing. It's because they're taking advantage of the current tax law as, as written. Um, and, and corporations generally get deductions for doing certain things that the government deems economically valuable. Investing in clean energy projects, uh, investing in, in people, uh, hiring folks, investing in property plan equipment. Various things, various programs that the government wants to incentivize, and those corporations do indeed take advantage of it. Here, what's going to happen is whether they take advantage of those programs or not, irrespective, 15% minimum tax. And so, so here's the issue is, well, if where's that expense going to get passed on to at the end of the day? It's going to get usually passed on to consumers right. and or the employees. So they're going to cut somewhere. Usually, usually never will that cut take out of owner's profits. Okay. So, yeah, that could be a challenge, right? Mm -hmm. Tell me about IRA contribution limits. Yeah. What are the, what's the voodoo on that? So this is, this is something that's still kind of in, in, in the water. It's not ironed out 100% yet. Um, the current proposal right now is to limit IRA contributions when balances in the IRA itself reach $10 million. So it's not clear whether if you could stratify your IRAs, essentially. So uh, you could make contributions if you have 10 IRAs with a uh, uh, million dollars in each IRA to, to basically have it in and not in all in one pot. Um, it's not clear. What I would imagine is that they're probably going to just allow it on all IRA, the total balance that you have in all IRAs. So you can't get around that by breaking it into different accounts. But that's going to be significant for folks uh, for, for retirement planning, for, for you know, uh, passing uh, wealth on to the next generation. Okay. How's that different from what we have now? The, the, the difference now is that there is no limit that you ultimately can, can contribute to your, your, uh, your, your uh, IRA if there is a traditional IRA. But there is a limit of six thousand dollars. Or was, what are we at now? Seven thousand. It's mm -hmm. six to seven thousand. So there's a limit for the amount of deduction that you can take. Okay. There's no limit on the amount that you can actually contribute. Got it. Okay. So, tell me what we should be doing if I'm having, if I'm facing down a possible limitation on my IRA contribution. Yeah, so one, you should just you should you should uh, talk with a tax planner. Uh, the the sooner the better. Uh, the sooner tax planners can get a hold of of the applicable information and help the client out, the better we can plan for that future event. So it might consist of shifting assets around. Uh, it might consist of uh, moving assets uh, within different IRA accounts if, if that's allowable, but it's hard to say right now, given the fact that we have so little information on what the nuts and bolts of those IRA limitations will be. Okay. Elliot, I got to take a break for a minute. Uh, I got to pay the bills, so let's take a break for, um, uh, for a word from our sponsor, okay? Okay. Folks, the entire purpose of this podcast is to make the law more understandable. We break it down. We sort it out. We get rid of the legalese. There's a product out there that helps lawyers do this for their clients. It's called DocuPlayer. And what it does, it is allows a lawyer to explain a document on a video. You could highlight the document. You could point specific things out to the client. You could explain the document as you go to the client. Clients love it. They understand the document better. 
and they get to go through the document with the lawyer as many times as they want just by hitting rewind. If you're a lawyer, check out the product at DocuPlayer.com. If you're a client, insist upon using it. Okay, we're back from the break, Elliot. Elliot, you know, people try to say, and I don't believe it, but people try to say tax professionals are boring. And I don't think that's true because you are not boring. You're a really interesting guy. No, that's right. You know, I'd <laughs> like to party every single night. All every that, all night. The, every, every single night, you know, <laughs> along with all my tax lawyer friends. Yeah. <laughs> Always setting up the bars. No, it's a... Uh, I think uh, I think it, it's a pretty common uh, uh, thing for for folks in tax to to be a little dry. Well, let me. Here's the thing. People look at tax and they don't want to think about it. They want to think about it one time a year when they go to the tax professional. I think that's a mistake. Um, you really have to look forward at at your tax issues, right? Yeah, yeah. You have to be planning. Um, and, and so, uh, with, with, and it's human nature, anything that's, that's, um, not fun, that's, that's kind of stressful and invokes those, those stress hormones, you're going to naturally want to shy away from, um, and taxes are fit squarely within that. Um, so, but, you, but I think at the end of the day, one thing that you do want to keep in the back of your mind is you do want to have somebody thinking about it for you. Um, and that's where your tax professional comes in, whether that's a CPA, whether that's just a tax preparer, whether that's a tax attorney, um, obviously dependent on, on the level of sophistication for yourself, you're going to want to choose your tax professional accordingly, but you want to have somebody thinking about it, somebody uh, who's going to be protecting your best interests, because at the end of the day, when something happens and you're not ready for it, that the consequences could be pretty bad. One of the things that these voodoo professionals do is when they begin to hear the ideas from our from our politicians they start to push back right mm -hmm. they start to make phone calls you don't want this and then those phone calls start to come to washington and those letters and those emails that's and the right. lobbyists get involved that's right and there were some tax changes that frankly i was a little startled by yeah now they're not coming through Mm -hmm. uh, what are some of the things, and I want to rest people's sure. minds, what are some of the things that aren't coming through with Build Back Better? Sure. So in general, you know, the, the changes that aren't coming through, uh, they those changes would only affect a very small portion of the population. And well, the, I'm going to say that's not true, but well, I'm going to push you on that okay, a little okay. bit, but we'll, keep going. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. Um, but in general, the reason I say that is because you generally have to have a pretty high net worth to be subject to what didn't make it into the, the tax plan is uh, changes to the estate and gift tax. Okay. So when somebody passes away, when somebody uh, gives a gift, there's something that, that arises that's a gift or, or what is, I guess a better description, a transfer tax. Transfer tax is completely separate and distinct from income taxes. It's a tax on the actual transfer of, of wealth from one party to the next. So what happens when you, you make a gift is essentially you're, you would have to pay tax on that unless there is an exemption amount. Currently, you can gift uh, $15,000 a year to uh, separate individuals each, and you're going to stay below the required gift filing amount. If you go over that amount, that's when you have to make a gift return. 
So the gift tax works hand in hand with the estate tax. So when somebody passes away cr under current law, if they have a net worth, they're not married, they have a net worth of $11.7 million, and it's, it's directly at that level or uh, above that level, then they would incur uh, estate tax. And in addition to that... Those are the death taxes, right? Right, right. In addition to that, you're going to be looking to how, how what were the gifts that individual made during their lifetime. So all those transfers get added up uh, all together at, at, at the time of your death. So um, what changed or, or what was being proposed was to kind of uh, uh, mess around with the exemption amount that people would otherwise be entitled to when they pass away and they have sufficient assets to be in, uh, subject to estate tax. So the current, as I said, the current level uh, under the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act uh, is 11.7 for individuals, 23.7 or tw it's around 23 million for, for married couples. Um, what was being proposed was to reduce that to a certain amount, whether that would be the pre-Tax Cuts and Jobs Act amount, which was $5 million indexed to inflation, or alternatively, $3.5 million. Um, so those, they're, they're thinking of, of reducing the, the exemption to those amounts. It wasn't clear which one they were going to pick. That did not make it into the plan. So one thing to consider, though, is those exemption amounts in the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, those are going to expire under the terms of the law in 2025 anyway. And then it reverts back to that $5 million index to inflation. So they're just going to allow it to sunset, essentially. That, that's okay. one thing that so didn't make it in. It, it didn't make it in, the, but it's, we're eventually going to back, go back to $5 million estates. Anything above $5 million gets taxed. Right. But one of the things that was being floated that, frankly, in my opinion, was going to be a massive tax increase mm -hmm. was the elimination of the step-up in basis. Now, we got to get nerdy here for a second. Let's say Bob Sewell buys a house for $100,000 in yeah. 1990. And 10 years later, in 2000, Bob sells the house for $200,000. Well, mm -hmm. my basis is my purchase price, $100,000. And right. 200000 is my sale price. And I've made $100,000, right? Right. Now, if we switch it around where Bob Sewell buys the house in 1990 for $100,000, and then he dies in 2000, my children who inherit that house, their basis, 200000 mm -hmm. they sell the house, they don't make any, they don't, they don't have any capital gains because right. their basis is 200000 It's stepped up. And I think that's an important, I, I think, distinction, or I guess clarification is that at, at the death of you, your, your children are basically step into your shoe or, or the fair market. It's not even stepping into your shoes, actually. They're going to get a new basis in the property, the fair market value, what it's worth at the day, date of your death. So like you said, if they turn around and sell it immediately for what fair market value is, their basis is exactly that. There's no gain. And that's what I was talking about, that that is, that is so important that it not make it in because they wanted to say, no, no, your kids are going to be taxed on that $100,000 of mm -hmm. capital gains, mm -hmm. which is a massive tax grab. Right. And, and I, so I see where you're, what, what you're saying before on that point. And, yep, that would be, I think, that was going to be very, very unpopular. Um, so, uh, the, the, for example, um, you know, 
lots of times one of the, the most valuable assets that folks own is their home. Um, many older uh, people have bought their home many years ago. And, and since then, it has appreciated substantially in value. Think of, of some places in the country like California, where yeah. they bought in some neighborhoods out there, or New York. And they've you know they bought it for cheap way back in the day, and now it's worth millions of dollars. Well, when that person dies, and if if the proposal's made it into the deal, you know this person isn't from a dynastically wealthy family. When their kids get the property, well, they're going to have to sell that property in order to pay the tax bill, yeah. right? Yeah. So so it makes sense why that didn't make it in ultimately. Um, but but that that was one of the items. But I think where it was trying to be targeted at was that dynastically wealthy, the folks who basically they don't have to work a day in their life and they get to live off of uh, their investment income that's held in you know hedge funds, mutual funds. So those but, are generally subject. And to we don't rates. have we don't have changes to a wealth tax that that was proposed, right? Right. So so one of the things that that was being floated around was just a, a tax on the overall value of somebody's net worth. So if somebody has a, I think the the what they're wanting to say the the threshold would be is if you had a net worth of one billion dollars, you're essentially going to be taxed on increases uh, in in your net worth over time. So uh, it's a, that essentially would make it like a property tax where you're not buying, you're not selling, but just for the sake of holding those assets and having a value in excess of a billion dollars, you're going to be incurring tax. Now, this is a really nerdy subject, but 1031 exchanges, someone proposed that 1031 exchanges go away. And is that, would that have been a problem? That, that could have been a problem. So the proposals were, one, just getting rid of them altogether. Or to uh, limiting them to uh, uh, to only allowable for folks who are below a certain income level. Uh, that was being floated around for a hundred thousand, five hundred thousand. Um, none of that got made it made it in. So, ten, any kind of changes to ten thirty one law is is a big deal. Um, the the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act what it, it changed the the ten thirty one exchanges by just limiting it to real property only. Before you could exchange business assets. Um, now a whole you know a whole industries essentially went away because of that. Uh, uh, airplanes would be commonly swapped around. That's by and large has been changed. Um, so and the reason being is because you're, you're imposing a tax on those transactions now, whereas before you can do them tax free. Here, what a lot of people do is if they have rental homes, you know they yeah. you know they, they they maybe just have one, maybe they have two. But they want to uh, uh, get, a, get a new rental home in maybe a new state that they're moving to so they can be close to the rental property, whatever gamut of reasons they want a new rental home. Uh, but they want to basically just roll over that equity in one rental home to the next. Well, 1031 exchanges allow you to do that without incurring tax. Uh, if you eliminate that, you're essentially going to force people to make a sale, and that might prevent people from actually doing those. There's a final uh, change I want you to comment on, and that mm -hmm. is the changes to the personal deduction amount. So this is back to things that are still being proposed with the Build Back Better. Mm -hmm. What are we looking at there? Yeah, so one of the big changes on the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act was an elimination of certain itemized deductions. Uh, so, so one of the big changes was elimination of or a reduction of the amount that you can ultimately deduct from your personal return for state and local taxes. So that's 
if, if we're in Arizona, that's things like transaction privilege taxes, uh, property taxes, things of, the, of, of that nature, uh, state income taxes. So the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act said you could only deduct up to $10,000. Anything over $10,000, you can't deduct it. What the change that they're proposing is to allow to basically increase that threshold up to $72,000, $72,500, um, and, and that would allow people to essentially take advantage of, of itemizing if they're in New York, California, high, high tax states, would allow, give them more of a benefit uh, the, and put them in more parity uh, as opposed to folks who are living in states like Texas, Wyoming, l relatively low uh, state tax states. Okay. Again, if I want to contact a voodoo professional to help someone to help me out, someone like you, maybe even you. How yeah, about that? Sure. How would I do that? Yeah. So w there's a there's a gamut of ways to do that. But best way to do it is uh, give me. You could feel free to reach out. Give me a call at any point in time. I'd be happy to pick up a phone and kind speak with you. Uh, the number that you could reach me at is. 480-733-6800. Uh, once again, that's 480-733-6800. Or you can shoot me an email. The email address is eBarella at davismiles.com. Hey, thanks for coming on the show. I really yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me, Bob. Folks, thank you for listening. This has been the podcast is that even legal? A discussion of what's legal. Just as a reminder, this is not legal advice for you. This is general information. It's meant to be educational. If you have specific legal needs, don't be afraid to reach out to an attorney to get good legal advice. Attorneys are lovable. They're fun. They want to hear from you. See you next time.